Welcome to Short Course, episode 115, for November 3rd, 2023. I'm your host, Ben Barry. The day after I recorded the last episode, the, the day that it came out, was the day, as happens every month, that the minutes from the latest USPSA Board of Directors meeting dropped. So the meetings, they used to happen on Tuesdays, now they happen on Mondays, but the schedule for whatever reason is the minutes get approved and released Friday, typically sometime afternoon, which in one way is kind of inconvenient. There's been one episode of this podcast so far that I've just scrapped and re-recorded because the minutes came out and sort of superseded what I had talked about. In this case, I think it's probably good that it's been a week since I read the minutes and had a minute to process it and just generally had a minute for the USPSA community in general to process it because what they contained might be the most difficult to believe thing yet in this entire crazy board of directors saga. Harder to believe, honestly, way harder to believe than the idea that the board would just get sick of Ben Steger and kick him out just for being a meanie on the internet. That That's actually kind of plausible. It's dumb and it's a bad idea, but it's plausible. The thing that I and a lot of people, I don't think anybody saw coming, was the board voting to polygraph itself to catch the leaker. Now, let's back up. What is being leaked and by whom? First of all, the meetings of the USPSA board of directors are explicitly closed to everyone except those allowed under a non-existent board guest policy. So up until the the bylaws rewrite in early 2022, there was a policy under which you could apply to join the, the meeting. And the bylaws actually had a provision where any member of the board could bring up for a vote inviting a guest. So at the meeting itself, you could have a motion to include someone as a guest. As long as they got a certain number of votes, they were they were allowed to join. That is all gone. The In the 2022 bylaws changes, one of the things that they did is they made it very clear that the meetings are not for anyone but basically whoever the board decides to invite. And again, the, the bylaws mention a policy, a guest policy. But when I inquired of Ted about this policy, I was pointed to, as I mentioned before, the in-person board guest policy, which does not apply because these aren't in-person board meetings. There was an agenda item, I think, two months ago to address a virtual guest policy, uh, but it was never discussed at that meeting, and it hasn't appeared on uh, an agenda since. So it's basically fallen beneath the waves without any, any sign of showing back up. So guests are not allowed. The board meetings are not recorded. They're not live streamed. They are the 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 bylaws require that that everything, even outside of executive session, that is discussed in a board meeting, be kept confidential until such time as the minutes are released. But the the bylaws say once the minutes are released, members of the board are allowed to discuss things that were not in executive session. But there are no recordings. There are all the the, the minutes are, are all that is taken, and in most cases, they are they are fairly sparse. So, for example, there was an agenda item at this most recent board meeting that just said outside counsel, and it was put on the agenda by Bruce Wells. The item 
in the minutes that resulted from this agenda item just says outside counsel, exactly the same as what was on the agenda. There is no documentation, no record of what was discussed, what the topic was, what issues were even being raised, nothing. It is literally one bullet point that says outside counsel. And it's not even really clear how long was spent on this one topic because there there are not great timestamps before or after this one item in the minutes. But that's just an example. So something gets put on the agenda. Sometimes it could be a discussion of up to half an hour. Who knows? And it gets a, a bullet item that is basically identical to what was on the agenda. So for all practical purposes, the minutes are are useless for topics like that where no detail is included. So the board meetings are closed. There's no live streaming, no recordings, but Practical Shooting Insights, the now band member, claims that he is able to listen in on the board meetings. Nobody knows how. He has some information. He'll release posts on his Instagram page saying that he has information from a from a board source that so far when later disclosures have come out have proven them to be basically correct in some cases it's things about the cost of various nationals broken down in a way that that we don't get in either of the common financial documents that are published the form 990 or the the actual financials that are put out by the by the organization's accountant so he'll He'll sometimes have information that's broken down as to exactly, for example, how much money each national is brought in and how much it cost, that sort of thing. So he's getting information from somewhere. And the assumption is by the existing board members that it is one of their own. And these meetings, they start at seven o'clock and almost invariably they go until midnight. So these are five hour board meetings. They never get to all of the agenda items. And last month, one of the topics that raised some ire was the fact that around 1030, as we discussed, Scott Arnberg made a motion based on what he saw as President Ted Murphy's failure to conduct his fiduciary duty. Scott made that motion around 1030 to remove Ted as president. That led to retaliation. I covered all that. At this meeting, after a bunch of other things had been discussed, around 11 o'clock, a topic was brought up. Well, they they went into executive session to address a topic that was not on the agenda. Around 11.30, they exit executive session. And from what I have heard, there was an attempt to make a motion. And in the previous meeting, Scott's motion to remove Ted was ruled out of order because it was not on the agenda. Now, as I covered in in that episode about retaliation, the motion was ruled out of order because Scott's motion wasn't on the agenda, but then immediately after a motion to remove Scott as chair of the finance committee was allowed, was deemed in order, was voted on, and was approved. So that second motion was not any more on the agenda than the first, but the second was allowed to be voted on. So this is this is already immediately, as soon as the precedent was set, it was proven to be a double standard. So We know that it's not rigorously stuck to, but in this case, someone required that the motion that was being made be added to the agenda. So we're now four and a half hours into this meeting and a motion is made to amend the agenda to make, to be able to vote on something that they've already spent half an hour discussing in executive session. 
And the thing that they want to vote on is whether to require every member of the board to take a polygraph test to try and figure out who this leaker is. So to quote from the minutes, so the the motion was made at 11 o'clock at night, four hours into this board meeting, motion by Bruce Wells, seconded by Area 2 Layton to enter executive session. 27 minutes later, motion by Bruce Wells, seconded by Layton to exit executive session, and then motion to add polygraph testing to the agenda, motion by Area 6 Bruce Wells, seconded by Area 4 Mel Rodero. And that motion to add it to the agenda got seven votes in favor, uh, one against, one abstention, basically two, two, basically seven to two vote. And then immediately after that, the vote, which to quote from the minutes, motion to require all board members to take a polygraph test by January 1st, 2024, as a part of the investigation into the leak of confidential board information. Any board member refusing to take the test would be subject to removal under 7.7. Motion by Area 6 Bruce Wells, seconded by Area 4 Mel Rodero. And this passed with six yeses, two against, uh, Area 3 Scott and Area 7 Frank being the noes, and the president abstained, which is, I mean, basically, you know, he can just, he's, he's always the last one to vote, so he can just decide to abstain to not have his name as a yes, but the, the motion was going to pass either way, so it was, it was sort of irrelevant. He just decided, rather than voting no and taking a stand against this, he, he abstained and, I guess, stayed out of it. So a, a few points on this based on the discussion that, that I've seen online about this. First off, there has been the, the sort of knee-jerk reaction was people talking about laws around polygraphing employees and whether, I mean, the, the first thing is you might think to yourself like polygraphing, that's not, that, that's not science. That's not a rigorously accepted thing. It is a test that in some cases can be used as circumstantial evidence, but yes, by no means is it a comprehensive, conclusive proof positive test that someone is lying or that someone's telling the truth. People have learned to fool polygraph to tell. Yes, everything, everything that you're thinking of when you hear that, yes, that's all true. But additionally, there are laws against making employees take polygraphs. Now, in this case, it's relevant, and I've seen a lot of discussion about this whole employee polygraph thing. It's relevant that the president is the only person who is actually an employee of USPSA. The other directors are not employees and therefore would not really be covered by those laws. The second point that's worth making, because I've also seen some people talking about me having to take this test, the the way it is written, it is a requirement that all the board members take a polygraph test by January 1st, 2024, which is the date that my term as Area 6 will start. So the way this motion is worded, it doesn't look like it will affect me. So I will not have to take a polygraph test. However, people have asked me, you know, would I? And the answer is, of course, and unequivocally, no. This is obviously a witch hunt. The question has also come up, would I vote? So assuming that one of these 7-7 votes is brought up after the January 1st deadline, once I am on the board and and can have a vote, once the deadline has passed and someone has, has refused to take the test, would I vote in favor or against? And categorically, a, a refusal to take a polygraph test is evidence of nothing. It is like trying to say that, that someone should be convicted because they invoke the Fifth Amendment. 
that their their inaction is not proof positive of any action. The fact that they have declined to do anything, declined to do your job for you. If you want to prove something, you have to prove it. So anybody who declines to take this test has done nothing wrong, in my view, and their refusal to participate in this witch hunt indicates nothing whatsoever about whether or not they are or are not part of the problem. All it indicates is that they are someone of principles who will not participate in foolishness like this. So no, I I will not, I I will vote on a 7-7 vote where evidence is presented. Somebody has done X, Y, or Z, but if all the evidence they have is an unwillingness to participate in the circus, no, that, that's that's not evidence of anything except having principles. My read on it is that there's no actual real plan in the two months of that are remaining between now and January 1st with Thanksgiving and Christmas to actually somehow, I, I, I don't know if they have a particular polygraph examiner that they're going to fly to nine different people across the country and and make them take the the polygraph test if he's going to bring his little suitcase and his whole system and like set it up in their in their living room or something. My my read on this is that this is this is a a feint. This is an attempt to get people to go on record against this and basically be able to infer guilt by their no votes, which is exactly what is trying to be done against against Scott and Frank. But this is this is obviously a witch hunt. This is an attempt not to actually make people take the polygraph test, but to see who stands up on principle and says, this is wrong and should not be done. And then basically point to that person and say, well, they must be the leaker because they stand on principle. The reason that it's obviously a smokescreen is that 7.7, the bylaw that is mentioned in the motion saying any board member refusing to take the test would be subject to removal under 7.7. 7-7 explicitly says that a board member can be removed with or without cause. So there's no need to go through this charade of generating justification. If the board is convinced that someone is the leak, they just need to vote. So this idea that that you need the polygraph to provide the evidence for a 7-7 vote or that the you know 7-7 is somehow the enforcement mechanism, it, it doesn't add up. If the board is convinced that someone's the leaker, they can just 7-7 the person with a vote. They can call it at any time. They could put it on the agenda. Or as we've learned, as long as you are friends with the president, you can call motions that aren't on the agenda and get a vote on them immediately. Meanwhile, the answer, the simple answer to how to stop the leaks is not to go on a witch hunt and try and use pseudoscientific methods out of a spy movie which I, I, that's the only explanation I could come up with is these guys think they are in some kind of spy movie. Rather than doing that, run the board in an open and transparent way so that there is nothing to leak. The, the idea that the board has to maintain this high level of secrecy to do what they need to do is just preposterous. Yes, there are limited things that need to be discussed in executive session, things that have to do with ongoing contractual agreements, things where information does need to be kept private, ongoing litigation. Yes, stuff like that. But, I mean, take, for example, the the run-up to this, this vote about the polygraph testing. Area 6 and Area 2 
Area 6 made the motion, Area 2 seconded it to go into executive session so they could discuss this polygraph thing because they didn't want it on the agenda. If it had not come to a vote, they wanted it to just be another anonymous executive session that had no clear purpose where we never got to know what they discussed. That executive session did not cover anything that was a sensitive contract or ongoing litigation. There is no reason that that executive session needed to happen, that they could not have that discussion out in the open, except that they were embarrassed that the members would hear about it if it didn't come to a vote. Now, obviously, the end result of the executive session was a vote, so we, we found out about it. But that's just an example of the way that these guys, not only do they have their closed board meetings, not only is nobody allowed to to, to listen to a recording, nobody is gets, they, we only get the meager details that, that show up in the minutes, but anything that they want to keep hidden just just goes into executive session. That that is that is not the way the board should be run. There should be nothing happening in these meetings. Again, aside from very strict exceptions, that could not be recorded and broadcast to the members. And if the members want to listen to these five-hour marathon board meetings, they should be able to. And honestly, I have to imagine if the meetings were being recorded. I would have to imagine that whatever is going on in these five-hour board meetings, I don't know if it's grandstanding or if it's just circular discussions that go nowhere, whatever it is, would probably start to to taper off. Because every month these meetings go, 7 p.m., and then right around midnight somebody says, all right, let's just table everything else, make a motion to adjourn, and that's it. And whatever doesn't get dealt with just doesn't get dealt with. In this case, there were a number of motions that Scott Arnberg, Area 3, formerly chair of the Finance Committee, had made to immediately begin addressing some of the costs, some some of the expenses that are draining USPSA's reserves. Those didn't get a vote, but an hour spent on polygraph testing the board. That got one of five hours in this board meeting. That's what got time. Not trying to actually improve the finances, but trying to go on a witch hunt to chase whoever is letting the membership know what is being done in their name and with their money. I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I genuinely don't. I mean, this is, like I said, of all the things that have happened in the last few years, all the bad decisions the board has made, starting with, I, I mean, I think where things really tipped over was the Cameo Nationals fiasco where the board had scheduled a USPSA Nationals a four-division USPSA Nationals where basically, I mean, every division either would be loading magazines to more than 15 or have magazines that held more than 15. I mean, all my production mags hold more than 15. And Nationals was going to be in Cameo, Colorado. Colorado has a 15-round magazine ban. Nothing over 15 is allowed. And people decided they didn't want to risk being a criminal to go shoot a Nationals. And when that happened... They had to eat crow and reschedule the nationals. And instead of being one four-day nationals, they broke it up into two smaller three-day nationals, which you know took a match that maybe would have lost $100,000 and made it into a match that all told lost $300,000 combined. And that's when the witch hunting really started, I think. And since then, I mean, that's when, after that, you know, banning Ben Steger and just everything everything that's happened i mean just one thing after another but wow 
I just, this is like something out of a cartoon. It's like something out of a movie where, or it, you know what it is? It's really like a bad reality TV show, right? Oh, the boss comes into the shop and he's not sure who's been back talking to him. So he decides to bring in a guy and polygraph all the employees and see who squeals. I mean, it's, it literally feels like that. And again, what are the logistics? What is the cost going to be to fly some polygraph guy around and conduct nine exams in two months? Is it even going to happen? Is there any plan to do that? I don't know. It's just the the whole thing is is beyond half baked. Yeah, I I mean I I don't really know what else to say about it. It is it is bizarre. It is a witch hunt. It is the fact that this is what the board is focused on. I I genuinely do not think they understand how ridiculous this makes them look. I mean, if I told you I was a part of, of any kind of organization, I was a part of some homeowners association or some sporting league, some pickleball league where the board of directors had voted six to, to two, seven, well, yeah, one abstention, six, call it six to two, to subject each other to polygraph testing, you would think I was joking. And if I told you this was in hour four of a five-hour board meeting, you would wonder how incredibly dysfunctional this organization would have to be that every month their board meetings take five hours and they still don't get to everything on the agenda. I, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm just repeating myself at this point. It is, it is just, it is beyond belief. It is patently absurd. The way the motion is written, it will not directly affect me. Uh, if they ask me to take a polygraph, I will tell them no. It, it, on principle, it is, it is just, it is not, how adults function. I, I literally cannot believe that six people voted yes and thought the solution to our problems is some CIA spy movie nonsense. It just, yeah, it just beyond belief. Uh, yeah, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is bennettberryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.